Hey guys, what's going on? Coach Johnny, welcome back to the Performance Plus Podcast. Today we're going to make uh, some people in physical therapy and spinal mechanics world really mad by talking about uh, Jefferson curls and lower back flexion. Uh, I'm joined by Dr. Zach Long to talk about this because he's the most qualified person that I think I know to talk about this. So, oh, Zach, how are you doing today? Doing good. I thought you were going to say the most qualified person anywhere to answer this question. And I was about to say that is a lot of pressure. Yeah, that is a huge amount of pressure. Most qualified person that I think I know uh, to talk about this. Uh, before we talk about uh, bending over and picking up things to the round and back, uh, tell me a little bit about like what is the worst uh, athletic injury you've ever, ever sustained? That I have ever sustained? Yeah. I don't think I've actually sustained any really Ooh. bad injury. The, the worst injury I have had, period, is I was pulling a bar. I was at a physical therapy clinic that I was working at, I pulled a barbell out of the rack and I had, I held it in one hand and I was not on the knurling. So it then slid through my <laughs> hand and dropped on my big toe and uh, <laughs> fractured my big toe. That's brutal. Yeah. So I, I actually, that was like first patient in the morning. I treated until lunch, just like hobbling around and I took my shoe off at lunch. I was like, Oh, my toe is bleeding. I should go to the doctor. <laughs> And I went to the doctor and he said, we should get an x-ray. I said, no, I don't think we should. I don't think it's broken. We don't need to get an x-ray. And he's like, I'm giving you an x-ray. And yeah, it was broke. I was like, okay. So I was that pain in the butt patient that didn't listen to doctor's advice and doctor was right. And okay. So did you wear the walking boot for I, like six weeks I, I at, at work? for four days with the walking boot. Okay. And then I just couldn't stand it because everything else hurts when you're in a walking boot. So I just decided, all right, I'm better off just walking around and keeping my big toe lifted off the ground enough that I am not putting pressure through it. And that worked better for me. <laughs> Still the most difficult patient ever. I made it four days stabilizing my yeah, big toe. Hope, That's I awesome. None of my patients listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I have, a, I have a bunch of them from CrossFit, but the most embarrassing is teaching a class, uh, teaching push jerks and not paying attention. And I caught the bottom Ooh. of my chin chipped a tooth, which is still gone, and bit a hole in my tongue, and then tried to convince everybody that I should continue on coaching the class with blood just dripping out of my mouth, like wolf, or like uh, werewolf style. And uh, that was embarrassing. And I also knocked myself unconscious demoing bar muscle-ups in a gym with the ceiling that was too low. That was oh, great man. as well. That's two really um, good ones. Yeah, two really dumb ones. Uh, in both cases, I tried to do the same thing you did. Like, no, I'm cool. It's fine, guys. Let's play it off. And yeah, it was not. So um, anyway, talking about injuries, let's talk about picking up stuff with a, a rounded back. Let's talk about Jefferson curls. So uh, for you guys that don't know what a Jefferson curl is, that is a very uh, flexed spine and intentionally flexed spine deadlift. Um, kind of the opposite of the way a lot of people uh, coach, which is neutral spine all the time. So Zach, tell us a little bit more about why people think these are sketchy. Well, just culturally, like in the, in the medical world, as well as just the fitness world, we, we have a mindset that it's completely unsafe for the spine to flex under any amount of loading that we think that that's where so many back injuries are going to occur. Um, so just that general fear that so many people have make anything rounded back seem like it's bad. I mean, I, I know one like popular influencer a little while back put a video up of a golfer rounding his back over as he reached into the hole to pick a golf ball out, you know, talking a couple ounces and he had this little thing explode in his back, like even just rounding over 
unloaded to pick up something that's going to create, you know, a disc herniation or something like that, which is just complete and utter BS that somebody is, you know, thinking that the spine is that fragile. So let's just start with like, just understanding like the spine flexes. If the spine has the ability to move in a direction that is not inherently bad then, when, you know, load and those sorts of things are excessive. Anything done with an excessive amount of load can become injury risk. You know, you go do a hundred sets of 10 RDLs today, guess what your back's gonna feel like tomorrow? Horrible because you put a lot more load and volume on it than it was prepared for. So it's okay to round your back with no load. In fact, there's, there's a decent, uh, there's a research study, uh, I believe it's titled To Flex or Not to Flex. It was a systematic review where they looked at, do people have an increased risk of injury if they lift with a flex spine? And what they actually found was lifting with a flex spine did not result in, in what looked like more injuries. So then we had so many people go over the top and say, well, it doesn't matter. This research study proves, or this re systematic review proves that you can lift with a rounded back. Here's the problem. People don't read research studies. And so what they <laughs> didn't realize was that the heaviest weight analyzed in any of those studies from that systematic review was 22 pounds. So we know that lifting 22 pounds and less with a rounded spine is not dangerous. We don't know about more than that. And, and I think that the answer probably is in the middle here. Like, I don't want you deadlifting 400 pounds with a completely rounded spine where you're in range spinal flexion. And the way I like to think about that is if you make a fist and you put a lot of pressure on your knuckle, like flexing your finger more so that it's at in range with that load, it doesn't feel really good in your knuckle to have that force put on it. We probably don't want to deadlift at in range with maximal loads. So that's why when we deadlift, we're probably going to want to stay somewhere in the middle. But when it's a lightweight, we know from that research that it's not dangerous. And I, I like the Jefferson curl as a way to stretch and mobilize the spine first and then as a really sub-maximal way to get stronger out of positioning. So that's kind of talk about both of those. Like spinal flexion is, is one of those things that nobody ever stretches. Your ability of your back to round. But we do that in a lot of athletic movements. So look at like the toes to bar, for example. If you don't have the ability for your spine to round, it's gonna be a lot harder to get your toes to the bar. You don't have the ability for your spine to round. Your ability to reach down and tie your shoes becomes significantly more difficult. Um, so I use the Jefferson curl quite a bit from a mobility perspective. Like let's just do a light loaded assisted stretch with that Jefferson curl. So somebody's like just standing and they're thinking of moving their spine one little segment at a time and then coming back up. It's great to stretch the spine out. Doing it that way, nice and slow, trying to make like one little piece of it move at a time. It's also great for just building your awareness and your control of the spine. I think if you have the ability to move it segment by segment up and down in the Jefferson curl, then I actually think your ability to then lock it into place when we move with heavier loads is better because now you actually know how to move it piece by piece. Your kinesthetic awareness in there becomes better. And then we also have to recognize that like just in general, you do things not in neutral all the time. You cannot lift a bag of mulch off the ground with a perfectly neutral spine. So if we only train perfectly neutral, we are going to have gaps in our strength and fitness when we are out of those positions. Like if you, we talked about kipping pull up a couple episodes ago. If you only have ever done lat pull downs, you've never fully open your shoulder up in maximal shoulder flexion and use your lats. You have a gap in your fitness over there. It's one reason why we see sometimes when like these 
guys that have been bodybuilders for years jumping to CrossFit, they can crank out kipping pull-up volume, but really quickly their shoulders start to hurt because they had that gap in their fitness. They never trained in that range of motion that mm -hmm. way. Same thing with rounded spine stuff. Again, I don't want to go lift a 400 pound barbell with, with a maximally rounded back, but something like a Jefferson curl is a great way to get some really submaximal loading spinal flexion volume in. Or the way I typically do it for myself, because I, I think that's important for years, whenever I pick up that 45 pound bumper plate off the end of a bar and I'm going to take it back to rack it up, I always lift it with a rounded back. Like that's my rounded back volume is picking up all those 45s as I load and unload the bar. So one thing that I think is really interesting too is uh, that you're kind of alluding here is like the strength perspective of a Jefferson curl, building kind of end range flexion capability. That's a position people do get hurt in, right? Like, I mean, at the end, we fail at the end ranges of where we train. Uh, so if you actually take the time to progressively load that, theoretically, it should be a preventative measure, right? Make the tissue strong enough to withstand force in that position versus, um, you know, somebody who only neutral spine deadlifts and then they go to pick up a golf ball and they have a, you know, some weird injury happen. Yeah. Um, is that correct line of thinking? That, that's my belief. Now, there, I'll say this. There's not any research out there that shows that Jefferson curls, you know, prevent injuries. But I just I want the body to be exposed to a little bit of load in all these positions. I don't think in range spinal flexion loading is it needs to happen at max to get some benefit out of it. But I don't want to never touch it. So my middle ground is let's do some Jefferson curls. We're gonna start light, like 15, 20 pounds, and we can progressively increase that. You know, you'll see people now doing Jefferson curls at like 225, which I think is awesome and impressive that they can do it. I'm not doing that. That's, that's no. to me, feels like it's a little bit more. I tend to stick in the 65 pound range as my maximum. Uh, is that some of the fear around flex, spinal flexion based in the fact that uh, if somebody does have a herniated disc and you add that level of shear to the joint, that it's going to irritate it like or oh, is that we're going down rabbit holes johnny what's, i know man so what's interesting about that is there's actually some research and, and i am not smart enough to be able to quote who did this research so somebody's going to comment on this and say zach pulled up said research but he can't provide the links so i'm just going to go ahead and say it i'm going to tell you the research is there but i can't tell you where it is exactly there is conflicting research on that some research says that going full flexion increases the shear some says that actually being neutral or extended actually has more shear reinforces on the spine than that. So I actually don't think we know for sure what the answer is in terms of where more shear forces are than not. Um, yeah. Okay. So rehabbing low back injuries, do you use Jefferson curls as a way to start reintroducing like segmental flexion into the... Yeah, quite a bit. Um, I'd, I'd probably say about a third of my back pain patients that I work with end up getting Jefferson curls as part of their, their treatment program there. Um, especially in the people that are just stiff in lumbar spine flexion. I say, I'd say a good number of my patients being male CrossFitters, um, if I'm being stereotypical here, stiff low back and they actually have like very little to no lumbar spine flexion. So then when they deadlift, I think they're at their end range, even though they look neutral. And so that goes back to what we talked about earlier. Like, the, I don't yeah. just don't think those joints like to be loaded at that end range under load. And so I use the Jefferson curls to increase their spinal flexion range of motion so that now when they're set up in the deadlift, they're no longer at end range, which was here. They're still there, but now their end range is down here. 
That makes a lot of sense. That's a, that's an interesting perspective as well, that there's not enough flexion ability in the lumbar spine to where, you know, a neutral spine would be end rate. Yeah. 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 Neutral is in that's, range. Uh, so kind of more on that idea, how much like flexion can you actually expect out of a lumbar spine? Or if somebody listening to this podcast, like if you're looking at yourself in the low back, uh, how can they kind of self-assess if they have enough mobility in in those segments? Well, uh, one thing you and I both like is that we are we are driven by data, and we like to yeah. be able to like test and retest stuff. So um, when we talked about strict pull-ups a couple episodes back, we talked about some mobility tests that we can really easily and accurately do to test areas. I don't really know of any great way to test how much lumbar spine flexion you have. And I hate to say this, but like for me, it's an eyeball test. I like to look at somebody just standing, bending forward or reaching towards their toes. That's gonna take some hamstring flexibility, some hip flexibility. Most people are gonna have a lot of thoracic spine rounding, upper back rounding. And I just wanna mm -hmm. see, do they then get some lumbar spine rounding? And so often you'll see that they have a lot of upper back rounding and you get to low back and it just, it stays flat. It doesn't move at all. So eyeball test is the best way I think. Okay. Uh, programming Jefferson curls, what's a good way to kind of start incorporating them into training? And then how do you progress the loading and know when the right time to progress the loading? Is? Yeah. Um, so the loading is all just based on if somebody's having pain, it's based on their symptoms. Like, does it make you feel better? Does it make you feel worse? If it makes you feel worse, then we need to scale it down or do something different temporarily. The way I typically start a Jefferson curl is I start with a Jefferson curl on a wall. Because like we talked about earlier, like the, the kinesthetic awareness, the understanding where you're moving your body, I think is an important component of the Jefferson curl. So if you go against a wall and you flatten your spine in the wall and you put your chin down to your chest and you then just try to peel one segment of your spine off at a time, it really helps you feel that you're moving little bit by little bit. I like to tell people, you remember fruit roll-ups? Yeah. Uh, anybody under anybody under 25 listening to this probably has no idea what we're talking about. I don't know if fruit roll-ups are still around or not, but you would pull that candy off the wrapper kind of slowly. And that's what I want to think of doing to your spine. Imagine that fruit roll-up papers along the wall, the wall and you're slowly peeling the, the candy or your spine off the wall little bit by little bit. So that's where I start. Um, once somebody does okay with that, then we can go ahead and throw some load on there. And once they can then replicate that without being against the wall. When you do it off of a step or a box, that's where you get really pulled a little bit further and an even deeper stretch. But you have to have the ability when you go off the wall to still move segment by segment. So that's when I decide to move up. Quite frequently, I'll have people, you know, do the wall for a week or two, come back to the clinic and we relook at them doing it and they have great technique there, but we then step to the box. And then when they do the box, all of a sudden they can't move like little segment by segment. And that's when I know, all right, we need more time of building that awareness with that tactile feedback that you get from the wall. But if we can, I want to get off the wall so that we can go a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more range of motion. As far as uh, pain and then kind of, I don't want to say prevention, but like as far as creating low back strength. So let's say uh, you're in a workout and you start getting lumbar flexion when you're doing a workout like Diane, where we would really not like to see lumbar flexion or that kind of speed and load. Um, what are some ways, strategies people can use to kind of, uh, you know, build a buffer against that causing like, you know, massive irritation and or, uh, you know, problems. So are we talking like, how do we, do you mean like accessory work to do to build yeah. Yeah, lumbar yeah, yeah. spine strength yes. to, to be able to yeah. hold position yep. better? 
Yeah, um, so we're not Jeff. So we're Jefferson curling. Jefferson curling in order to uh, create strength, create range of motion. But how do we then prevent you know that poor position that we don't really want? It's not ideal for deadlifting, right? Right. How do we prevent? So that? rarely or, do I take Jefferson curls up to the point where somebody's like, "Oh yeah, that was tough." Like I felt my lumbar paraspinals working, like from a strength perspective. So if I'm truly going after like. I feel like this person needs to improve their lumbar spine endurance, paraspinal endurance, paraspinal strength. I tend to do a couple other exercises, like reverse hypers are probably my favorite. I love getting people off the end of a GHD if they don't have an actual reverse hyper machine. But we kind of do the same thing as the Jefferson curl just in reverse. Like their legs are hanging down, their backs rounded over the GHD pad, and then they lift their legs up. So they go from spinal flexion to extension to build strength and endurance there. You could do GHD hip or back extensions or GHD hip extensions holding a barbell. Tons of exercises off of GHD. If you want to look at those exercises or videos of that, I believe there's an article on the barbellphysio.com that has um, a bunch of those listed out. I, I think that bent over rows are so undervalued from the low back perspective. Um, they're probably my favorite to work on when somebody really needs to focus on holding a little bit more of a neutral spine. We think of all rows as like an upper back or lat exercise. If you're doing a bent over row or a pin lay row where you're really bent over and you're keeping that locked in place and then rowing, the row challenges that lumbar spine endurance quite a bit. So I, I love doing those. We got a lot of those stuff in our bulletproof back builder. If, yeah. if somebody really knows that that's something that they need to get after is lumbar spine strength, that's, check out that program. That is, that is a great program. I've personally done it before. I think there's a lot of like nuggets in there too that kind of can like stay in uh, as like permanent kind of accessory things that you hit once mm -hmm. a week that just keep, especially if you CrossFit, we hinge so yeah. much that uh, it just keeps your back strong. And, and so often, at least personally, I'm not, uh, there's no studies on this that I'm aware of and can quote, um, but at least personally, uh, I feel like a lot of the back stuff I have just comes down to if I'm not intentionally making my back stronger, mm -hmm. then I feel terrible after doing yeah. big fast work. I think that program, you can pretty much guarantee like 20 pounds on your deadlift from that yeah. blend. A hundred percent. Yep. Uh, it's a good one for sure. Anything else that you kind of want to add? Any uh, other thoughts maybe for people around Jefferson curls, like low back pathologies, things like that? Um, my general belief with low back pathologies is get your back really, really strong. <laughs> Worry a lot less about quote, core strength and focus on getting your back super, super strong. And, and a lot of back pain stuff goes away when you focus on the strength side. That's a, I think that's one of my favorite uh, Zach opinions is that like, hey, look, like, Maybe you should stop spending so much time trying to activate your transverse abdominis and like all that stuff. That could be important, but like, let's if you're gonna you know do a lot of deadlifting, let's make sure your back's strong. Yeah. Like let's. Think well, about if you think about it this way, like when if you have shoulder pain, what do you do? You strengthen your rotator cuff. You strengthen those yep. tissues of the shoulder. If you have calf or Achilles tendon pain, like what do you do? You load up that you tissue and make it stronger. When people have back pain, what's the common advice? Get your abs stronger. Get this tiny transversus abdominis muscle stronger. We don't actually load the thing that is hurt. Load the back, make that stronger. It's like a very, very common principle with everything else in the human body is get that tissue stronger and it will hurt less. Makes sense that that might also work for that. It's uh, it's really interesting, man. It's kind of it's crazy how much the rehab space is afraid of doing that, like colloquially, like right, mm -hmm. like in that, uh, you know, 
you could have an annular tear and a disc in your back and like you might go and not ever put load on it in an entire like yeah. rehab setting. I'll, I'll throw one other thing out there since we since we mentioned MRIs. If you have an MRI and you're listening to this and you are worried about your back long term, I think one thing that should give you a lot of hope is if you go look at the rates of people that have had MRIs taken and no pain, it's off the charts. Like yeah. they've done studies where they take thousands of people with no pain give them MRIs and 70% of people are going to have something pop up on their MRI. Another insane study, this one woman in one week got like 10 MRIs at 10 different centers read by 10 different radiologists. Don't quote me on the 10, but every single radiologist had a different finding on her back. So if you don't like what your MRI, MRI found, just go get another one because they're going to find something different next time. And none of it probably matters as much as you think. Just focus on progressively getting stronger. And it's interesting, right? Because it isn't an interpretation, right? Like you, it's somebody's interpretation of a picture at a certain angle at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And not saying those people don't spend a lot of time in school and not saying their opinion's not valid, but just it's an interpretation. The number and, of false positives are insane. Yeah. It's yeah. unfortunate. I, a lot of the yeah. stuff you guys post on ICE, it yeah. just, it's shocking. I'm gonna, I'm like, a, oh my God. Let me throw one other study out there. They're, they actually did a study one time where they gave everybody MRIs in the study and half of them they told the results of the MRI, the other half they didn't. Everything else was the same. Like the treatment program they went through was the same. Everybody's strength and endurance between these two groups improved the same amount. But when you asked each group how well they thought they were doing, the group that knew their MRI thought they were worse. And nothing else had changed other than they knew what was on their MRI. So this, this MRIs can be dangerous, dude. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, the, with the people that I work with, again, uh, if they go out and they have low back pain, and I don't know if this exists outside of Atlanta, but Atlanta, there's places where you can go get your own MRI. You can pay $395, oh, yeah. get your own MRI, and it's a thing here that people like to do. Uh, and they go get it, and they see the words herniated disc on there. They've been deadlifting just fine for seven months, and now their back hurts a little bit. They see that, and now they're dying. And a lot of times it takes a, you know, a shrink and army of people to get them convinced that like they're not dying and that they're going to be okay yeah. uh, it's it's a complicated thing but it is definitely you know do, don't we, you're not we should put do a whole po uh, low back podcast yeah, but if we, if we do that we need to it won't be our normal 15 to 20 minute podcast no it's gonna be a yeah. <laughs> uh well okay cool next time that you have an hour break from being a dad a new dad uh we'll try and figure that out so we can stir, ruffle some more feathers and um get some questions answered but thanks guys for uh listening to this and make sure you check out the bulletproof back builder program that we have uh and then check out barbell physio instagram and performance plus instagram there's a lot of uh videos of pamela demoing jefferson girls on there if you want to see how it's done and there's some other uh super interesting posts that has about measuring those things so uh check them out if you got any questions send us messages uh and we'll talk to you next time